0: Paul and Barnabas endeavor on, and that is in Acts chapter, starts out in Acts chapter 15. Today we're going to discuss some of the the preparation for that, what Paul and Barnabas um, do when they are uh, spooling up for their missionary trip. So uh, let's pray and we'll dive into the scripture. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to be here, and we thank you for the freedom to worship you. God, we pray that that freedom would continue to be the thing that our our country is held together with. Lord, your freedom, and God, we praise you for setting us free from the chains of sin and bondage. Lord, thank you for salvation through your Son. In His name that we pray. Mm-hmm. So as I said, Paul and Barnabas are doing well on mission. They are uh, preaching <clears throat> the word, and uh, folks are changing the direction of their lives. Gentiles are uh, putting their faith in Jesus. They are trading. Uh, they're trading their idols for eternal life and. Jews are trading the law for Jesus. This is what has happened on their first missionary journey, the, the things that they experienced. And the, uh, the Gentiles and, and the Jews weren't all converting. Of course, there were some that were hostile. There's always going to be some hostile folks. You can't make everyone happy. Some people are pretty attached to their sins. But overall, the first mission was a great success because the Word of God's Son was spreading. So they get back home, Paul and Barnabas. They travel back to where they started. And it appears that after a while, the Apostle Paul gets a little bit, maybe, itchy. You know what I'm saying? Paul's one of those guys that can't sit still for very long. He tries to relax or he tries to experience some rest, but he he is ready to move on pretty soon and he wants to go somewhere. Acts chapter 15, verse 36 says, after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord and see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. you ever had one of them good ideas? You know, I have, I have two sons, and my wife and I, uh, we, we tell them, whenever they have a good idea, don't do it because their good ideas are usually what lead them to getting into trouble or to get things broke or people hurt. So whenever they have a good idea, don't do it. Uh, you know, sometimes it's not just my boys. Um, you probably have heard a lot of stories from me. Uh, one one of my congregants um, probably accidentally spilled the truth to me and said that Uh, Boy, Pastor, I remember a lot of things about your sermon, and they're always the stories that you tell about crazy things. And so I think I'm missing the mark there. I I don't want you just to remember my silly stories, because then you will think that, uh, boy, our our pastor is uh, not very sharp. Uh, So... I should probably narrow that down. Please don't remember just my stories, but remember the Word of God, which is absolutely the most important. Um, if you remember only the stories, like I said, you'll, you'll think I always make mistakes, and particularly sticking my foot in my mouth uh, with my wife. So uh, if we're talking about, uh, you know, Barnabas had this good idea. Um, let's let's uh, take along Mark. You know, and I don't know what Barnabas was thinking at that point. Um, you know, he knew Mark. Mark was his cousin. So probably, probably this is a good idea. Uh, boy, I remember when when uh, I had a good idea to cheer my wife up. Like I say you probably remember this from several years ago. And so I brought, she was sad, and I wanted her to be happy, and I came up with this great idea of bringing my horse into the house to cheer her up. When she come downstairs, she would see my horse in the house. That's funny, right? No. It is not. Especially when the horse uh, does a number two on the living room floor. And there is also the time when I thought it would be the greatest idea in the world, because my wife loves to tan hides, right? And she likes for my children to be part of that, and so... I trapped a bunch of mice out of our old house. We lived in an old trailer house and there was mice in there. So killing two birds with one stone. We got rid of the mice one night. Me and the kids trapped a bunch of them and we skimmed those dudes out and put them in the freezer so that my wife could tan those hides. Good idea? No. Boy, seems like a good idea. Well, uh, Barnabas says to Paul, hey, let's take Mark. Evidently, that wasn't a good idea. Paul says, no. There seems to be a line drawn here. Remember last week when we discussed those things that you do and you decide you'll never do again? Uh, Paul can be threatened. He can be uh, stoned. He can be beaten and yet he will still do the thing that caused it again, which is preach the word, preach salvation through Jesus. But Paul, he draws the line when it comes to having a missionary partner that quit on him. Now, to be fair, Mark, Maybe we don't know exactly what went on here. Acts chapter 13, verse 13. This is a couple chapters prior to what we are studying today. Paul and his companions then left Paphos by a ship for Pamphylia landing at the port town of Perga. And here's what we know about the situation. There, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. We can put a lot into that verse or we can just understand that John Mark simply left. We don't really know. But what we do know is in verse 38 of our text after Barnabas says, hey, let's take Mark, Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. He disagreed strongly. And he used the word deserted. Deserted. So we get the idea that Paul was not happy with John Mark previously. And when Barnabas says, hey, this is a good idea, let's take Mark. uh, Paul says no. Verse 39 says their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care, and then he traveled throughout Syria and Sicilia, uh, strengthening the churches there. They split. Paul and Barnabas, the two sidekicks. They had done great things on their first missionary journey. And now, they've split. There's been a disagreement. Now folks, we can learn two messages out of this Scripture, I believe, and neither one of them come directly from Paul. The first one is to hold fast. Now I know, we have got other points out of these previous uh, scriptures about uh, not giving up and, and uh, continuing to do what God is telling you to, not wavering, and then now we have <clears throat> another point that is almost the same, hold fast. And so you, you may think, boy, preacher, you're preaching the same thing over and over and over again. It seems to be what the text is dictating. And if it's a common theme over and over, then maybe God wants us to commonly and consistently review it in our lives. So let's pull up those things to where we aren't following through with. Let's make sure that we are uh, cementing our ability to do God's will time and time again. Hold fast. Follow through. As Paul might say, don't be a quitter. We are studying these passages in this series so that we can use them and learn how to reach out to our community. How we can bring those folks to a faith in Jesus and then how we can bring them as part of the body of Jesus, our body of believers. And then we can increase the number and the, the... advancement of God's kingdom. Our community is watching as we are in it. Do you want the community to see Christians, followers of Jesus, that are lukewarm, that are ready to turn back at the first little bit of tension that they encounter? Or do you want your community to see Christians that hold fast? Our schools, our high schools should have a holding fast class. You know, I don't think they have that in school. Maybe some teachers try to instill that spirit in their students. We have classes that teach all kinds of crazy and ridiculous things and all kinds of good things too. But I've heard a lot about public schools here lately and I can say that I'm not too excited about some of the things that I hear that our children are learning in public schools I believe our kids need to be taught to hold fast. You know, we need to teach our young people how to hang in there. Too many folks these days, maybe any days, don't know how to hold fast. People, they quit their marriages. Some parents quit their children. And some children quit their parents. Some people, they quit their jobs when they become do, too difficult and let others take care of them. Some people quit their government, they quit their country. I'm reminded of the American Revolution. 1776, when the folks that were here in this land had just recently come from a place that didn't offer freedom, and they were excited to be here because it did, this place offered freedom, and they were able to experience that, and they fought for that freedom when it was threatened and infringed upon. They fought to have the ability to worship their God in the way they seen fit. And now and from that point in history forward it seems that, that that now we give up our freedom by doing things like, you know, outsourcing a lot of things to other countries. And you know, it seems that sometimes our modern government works to take away our freedom of religion and our freedom of speech. Americans hold fast and don't quit on your country and celebrate our independence. And most importantly, we must hold fast to God. Hold fast to God and, and our community of believers. It's, it's tempting to quit following God when we just when we just don't get what we want. Think about when you were a child, and maybe some of you, when you were a kid, decided at some point I don't need to live with my parents telling me what to do anymore so you pack your bag a pair of socks maybe a pair of underwear if you were able to think ahead that far uh, a couple of crackers and a bottle of Kool-Aid you put it in a little bag and you start walking down the driveway who knows where you're going to stay grandma and grandpa's maybe a buddy's house and it seems like a good idea it seems like freedom. I don't like the governing body at my house. My mom and dad tell me that I must do my chores, that I must pick up my room. So the child runs away, and maybe they run away for a couple hours or a day. But almost inevitably, they realize it's not what it's cracked up to be. When you're young like that, God has designed you to be taken care of by your parents, you know? How's that working out for you with no one to pay for your food, no one to drive you to the places that you need to go? If you didn't have a grandma or a friend to stay with, no roof to provide shelter from the elements. There's... a person in Second Timothy uh, tells about him in chapter four. Tim, uh, Paul is, is is telling us about this fella named Demas. We don't know much about Demas, but what it says in this text is that uh, once upon a time he was a fella who was committed to the ministry, and now he has left because, and the scripture says. He loves the things of this life. Those words right there are key to the reason that we end up quitting God, quitting on our community of believers. We don't hold fast in our Christian faith. We become more in love with the things of this life. Sin, sin, so-called freedom. And it's not really freedom at all because we're trapped by its chains and prevented from having the eternal life that true freedom offers. Another fellow that I'm reminded about in Scripture that did not hold fast is Judas. Man, think about Judas. He was chosen by Jesus to be a disciple. He was chosen out of so many people. How special is that? And for three years he followed Jesus. For three years he got to be with Jesus while Jesus ministered to folks, loved them, healed them, did miracles. And then for 30 pieces of silver, the text says Judas betrayed Jesus. Jesus. He didn't hold fast. Scripture tells us to endure. Endure is the correct way. James chapter 1 verse 12 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. And James chapter 5, verse 11, says, We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Matthew chapter 24, verse 13. Jesus tells us the one who endures to the end will be saved. The message here is endure. When things get hard, hold fast and endure. Get help. We all need help. Get help from your Christian brothers and sisters and get help from God. When things get tough, the tough use uh, duct tape is what comes to mind. But that's from that's from the Red Green show. When the when, when things get tough, go to God, get help from him. The way to do that is it's prayer. You know, and you think, "Boy, uh, I pray a lot, but I say the same things all the time and, and I don't know if it's working or not. You know, Jesus tells us exactly how to pray. And, you know, we get ideas from other scriptures that uh, we can just talk to God with anything. It's a conversation. And so at one point in time, Jesus says, look, if, if you need a starting spot, let me give you a, a starting outline for how you can pray. In the book of Matthew, it's reported. So we pray something like this, and this isn't it exactly. God, Your name is holy. We start our prayers like that. God, I know that Your kingdom is perfect, and I want to live according to Your kingdom here on earth. Because I know Your kingdom is perfect. And I know it can't be perfect here, but I want it to be better, so I want to live according to Your kingdom right here God thank you for giving us what we need to live I'm going to need more of that to live Uh, please uh, provide me with what I need I don't need a lot more just enough God forgive me and help me to forgive others Lord it seems like sin controls me all the time Help me break that control, God. And Lord, rescue me from the devil. All of us need rescued. Rescue me, God. And the Lord will rescue you from the devil. He will if you let him because one thing is for sure. Our God knows how to hold fast. First Samuel chapter 12, verse 22 says the Lord will not abandon His people because that would dishonor His great name. Psalms chapter 94, verse 14 again says the Lord will not reject His people. He will not abandon His special possession. You get that? You are a special possession. Possession, and He will not reject you, and He will not abandon you. Our Lord Jesus, and He held fast. He held fast when, when it hurt, when because of our sin, He was beaten, and He was put on a cross, and He didn't have to. But he knew you, and he loved you, and he wanted you to have eternal life, so he held fast. Makes me think of the soldiers who fought for our country's independence. Jesus provides the perfect example. Does a soldier mimic a little bit of that example that Jesus provides? where they know the final thing that is to be focused upon. And they hold fast. They stay on that front line fighting, though they could lose their life, because they know about what they want to happen in the end. And if they give up, then it's not going to happen the way they want it to. Our Lord Jesus held fast to save us. He tells us in Matthew chapter 28, one of the last verses, to be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. My friends, hold fast in the faith. It's been said that quitters never win and winners never quit. You heard that saying before? It's a good general saying. It it really is. It applies in a lot of situations. Quitters never win and winners never quit. But why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about holding fast? Oh yeah, it seems that Mark didn't hold fast. He quit on Paul. If you don't hold fast, there will be consequences that are going to show up later. Mark, in in Paul's words, uh, deserted Paul. And because of that, uh, Paul remembered that the next time they met and had a task to do. Now, Paul probably still cared for Mark, but he just wasn't willing to, to trust him with something as important as missionary work, but that means that does does that mean that Mark can never win? Does that mean that Mark can never be anything but a quitter? Of course not. Which brings us to second point today: give second chances follow Barnabas' example here and give second chances you know there is the idea that the community has sometimes that uh, a non-believer will think those Christians they are rigid you gotta toe the line or uh, they will not have anything to do with you that is and shouldn't be the is not the case, and it shouldn't be the case. Our faith is a faith of second chances. This is what Jesus is all about. He gives us that second chance. And God, uh, even before Jesus came to this earth, provided a second chance for Abraham. He gave Moses a second chance, and he gave David second chances. My favorite second chance... uh, story in our scripture is Peter. Peter got a second chance. Uh, Several of them, actually. Peter denied knowing Jesus. And when Peter denied him, Jesus restored him. Like I said, our faith is about restoration, about second chances. Before we can be restored, we must be broken. Peter, when Jesus confronted him about this, he wept bitterly. After he denied Jesus, he wept bitterly and he understood that he had done wrong. He was broken. We must understand that when we are at the breaking point that that we've done wrong and then we must abandon our pride and then we can truly experience restoration. Maybe some of you uh, enjoy restoring cars. You've seen the old-fashioned muscle cars that are really slick and very nice. That car wasn't that way before it was restored. It was old. It was rusty. It didn't run. We don't restore brand new cars. We don't restore something that is perfect because it doesn't need to be restored. It has to be in a condition of brokenness. Then it can be restored. We must come to the point where we realize that we need our Savior. And we must preach that to the people that we come into contact with that don't believe in Jesus. You don't have to be perfect to be restored. As a matter of fact, it's not going to work that way. None of us are perfect. And then, you know, something else that we see with Peter. Jesus... When he restores him, when he gives him the uh, second chance, or the third chance or the fourth chance of, of restoration, <clears throat> we must understand that faith without works is dead. That comes from James chapter two verse 26. Peter gets a chance to declare his love for Jesus with deeds, not just words. The Peter we read about after Jesus gives him this chance to love, this renewed chance, the Peter that we read about is a new Peter. He no longer has wavering faith. He is holding fast 100% for the cause of, of spreading the good news. When you become restored, When Jesus restores you, don't stay in the garage. We see a lot of restored cars and we keep them nice. We take them to parades and don't let them get scratches. This is not the way that we should live our Christian lives. We need to be out there doing the work of God. Faith without works is dead. And also work without love is also dead. Work without love. You see, Jesus asked Peter if he loves him before giving him an assignment. Do you love me? Jesus asks. And then he gives him an assignment. He tells him, this is what I need you to do. Take care of my sheep. Gives him a task. Our motivation should be love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 2 through 3. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love others. Our restoration, our holding fast, doesn't do much good unless we are prepared to love others. Hold fast in whatever God has you doing now and love others. Give second chances because you love others. Second chances in your marriages and in, in, with your children. And by the way, about second chances, accept yours. It's hard sometimes to be, live living the life of a Christian so, so well that You're doing good things and and you got a lot of momentum and then all all of a sudden something comes over you and you don't feel like you're so good anymore. You never were perfect in the first place. Jesus restores us. We need to remember and accept the second chance that He gives us. This is the example that we provide for our community. Now we've learned a lot of Lessons from the Apostle Paul in this series, and we will no doubt learn a lot more from him. But I don't think that we know enough about this situation to correctly use Paul as an example. We don't know if Paul was right or not in uh, taking Mark, or if he in not taking Mark, or if he was wrong. But no one is perfect except for Jesus. Perhaps if Paul were equipped to accept Mark in this situation. Mark wouldn't have become a better man. What we do know is that God used the situation for good. The two missionaries, they split up. And now we have two missionary teams. Paul chose Silas, and Barnabas gave Mark the second chance that he needed. The message of salvation was preached twice as much and probably twice as fast in the beginning of this second missionary trip Paul outlines all the places that they would visit and Paul and Silas don't make them to all of those places however Barnabas and Mark make it to the places that Paul didn't make it to so all of the the cities that they previously went to were visited because there was two different teams working for the same purpose. Mark was seemingly solidified because of the trip that he went on with Barnabas. Mark later writes the gospel and Silas was brought on. He was a church leader prior to this but no doubt this strengthened his testimony in leading his church now that he has the example of missionary work with Paul. Above all, the kingdom of God was advanced, God's name was glorified, and salvation was preached. Today, as we go to celebrate Independence Day and come into contact with others who may not believe in Jesus, remember the things that we get from Paul. We must hold fast and give second chances. Reach out to those folks with the message of salvation, powered by love. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for Paul and Barnabas and Silas and Mark. God, I thank you for the lessons that we can learn from their situation. Want to thank you for our freedom in this country, and I praise you for the work that you do through your church, God. It is an honor to be the body of Jesus. Help us to understand the second chances you've given us and extend that to others. It's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.